The Beetle by Richard Marsh Chapter 48 The Conclusion of the Matter It is several years since I bore my part in the events which I have rapidly sketched, or I should not have felt justified in giving them publicity. Exactly how many years, for reasons which should be sufficiently obvious, I must decline to say. Marjorie Linden still lives. A spark of life which was left in her when she was extricated from among the debris of the wrecked express was fanned again into flame. Her restoration was, however, not merely an affair of weeks or months. It was a matter of years. I believe that, even after her physical powers were completely restored, in itself a tedious task, she was for something like three years under medical supervision as a lunatic. But all that skill and money could do was done, and in course of time, the great healer, the results were entirely satisfactory. Her father is dead, and has left her in possession of the family estates. She is married to the individual who, in these pages, has been known as Paul Lessingham. Were his real name divulged, she would be recognized as the popular and universally reverenced wife of one of the greatest statesmen the age has seen. Nothing has been said to her about the fateful day on which she was, consciously or unconsciously, paraded through London in the tattered masculine habiliments of a vagabond. She herself has never once alluded to it. With the return of reason, the affair seems to have passed from her memory as wholly as if it had never been, which, although she may not know it, is not the least cause she has for thankfulness. Therefore, what actually transpired will never, in all human probability, be certainly known and particularly what precisely occurred in the railway carriage during that dreadful moment of sudden passing from life unto death. What became of the creature who all but did her to death, who he was, if it was a he, which is extremely doubtful, whence he came, whither he went, what was the purport of his presence here? To this hour these things are puzzles. Paul Lessingham has not since been troubled by his old tormentor. He has ceased to be a haunted man. Nonetheless, he continues to have what seems to be a constitutional disrelish for the subject of beetles, nor can he himself be induced to speak of them. Should they be mentioned in a general conversation, should he be unable to immediately bring about a change of theme, he will, if possible, get up and leave the room. More, on this point he and his wife are one. The fact may not be generally known, but it is so. Also, I have reason to believe that there still are moments in which he harks back, with something like physical shrinking, to that awful nightmare of the past, and in which he prays God that as it is distant from him now, so may it be kept far off from him forever. Before closing, one matter may be casually mentioned. The tale has never been told, but I have unimpeachable authority for its authenticity. During the recent expeditionary advance towards Dongola, a body of native troops which was encamped at a remote spot in the desert was aroused one night by what seemed to be the sound of a loud explosion. The next morning, at a distance of a couple of miles from the camp, a huge hole was discovered in the ground, as if blasting operations on an enormous scale had recently been carried on. In the hole itself, and round about it, were found fragments of what seemed bodies, Credible witnesses have assured me that they were bodies neither of men nor women, but of creatures of some monstrous growth. I prefer to believe, since no scientific examination of the remains took place, that these witnesses ignorantly, though innocently, erred. One thing is sure. Numerous pieces of both stone and of metal, 
were seen which went far to suggest that some curious subterranean building had been blown up by the force of the explosion especially were the proportions of moulded metal which seemed to belong to what must have been an immense bronze statue there were picked up also more than a dozen replicas in bronze of the whilom sacred sacrobus that the den of demons described by paul lessingham had that night at last come to an end and that these things which lay scattered here and there on that treeless plain were the evidence of its final destruction if not a hypothesis which i should care to advance with any degree of certainty but putting this and that together the facts seem to point that way and it is a consummation devoutly to be desired by the by sidney atherton has married miss dora grayling her wealth has made him one of the richest men in england she began the story goes by loving him immensely i can answer for the fact that he has ended by loving her as much their devotion to each other contradicts the pessimistic nonsense which supposes that every marriage must be of necessity of failure he continues his career of an inventor his investigations into the subject of aerial flight which have brought the flying machine within the range of practical politics are on everybody's tongue the best man at atherton's wedding was percy woodville now the earl of barnes within six months afterwards he married one of ms atherton's bridesmaids it was never certainly shown how robert holt came to his end at the inquest the coroner's jury was content to return a verdict of died of exhaustion he lies buried in Kensal Green Cemetery, under a handsome tombstone, the cost of which, had he had it in his pockets, might have indefinitely prolonged his days. It should be mentioned that that portion of this strange history, which purports to be the surprising narration of Robert Holt, was compiled from the statements which Holt made to Atherton and to Miss Linden, as she then was, when a mud-stained, shattered derelict he lay at the lady's father's house miss linden's contribution towards the elucidation of the mystery was written with her own hand after her physical strength had come back to her and while mentally she still hovered between the darkness and the light her one relaxation was writing although she would never speak of what she had written it was found that her theme was always the same she confided to pen and paper what she would not speak of with her lips she told and retold and retold again the story of her love and of her tribulation so far as it contained in the present volume her mss invariably began and ended at the same point they have all of them been destroyed with one exception that exception is herein placed before the reader on the subject of the mystery of the beetle i do not propose to pronounce a confident opinion atherton and i have talked it over many and many a time and at the end we have got no farther so far as i am personally concerned experience has taught me that there are indeed more things in heaven and earth than are dreamed of in our philosophy and i am quite prepared to believe that the so-called beetle which others saw but i never was or is for it cannot be certainly shown that the thing is not still existing a creature born neither of god nor man end of chapter forty eight recording by anthony wilson end of the beetle by richard marsh